I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is a chemistry lab. I'm on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. No Paulie Sebelia today. He's off until Monday, taking a vacation day. Then he's uh, hitting the road for Atlanta, heading down to the Georgia Tech game. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco with you today up until 2 o'clock. It is Thursday. So that means Dan from the Wildcats Sports Pub at 1230, the Hall of Famer Jim Beheim at 1 o'clock, and then our good friend Thad Brown, sports director, WROC in Rochester, will be on with us at 1.30 as we preview Bills-Bengals. That line up to 5.5 now uh, in favor of the Bills. Plus, we'll take your phone calls throughout at 315-437-7644. How are you today, Mario? Good, Steve. Ready to talk some hoops, and uh, obviously Jim Beheim joins us at one, so it should be a good time. Yeah, um, and, and I, listen, let, let's start the show with this. I I said as we left the air yesterday, once we got off the air, I said internally here, I said, I'm done talking about this Judah Mintz thing, um, and I was, and then... Lingered a little bit. It lingered a little bit, and then I see in social media some things popping up, and... Uh, you know, other shows talking about it and so on and so forth. So I, I just I just want to address it off the top. Just kind of set the record straight without Paulie here calling people dumb. And I, no, nobody's dumb. Like everybody, and I, I get that he does that kind of tongue-in-cheek. Nobody's dumb. What? Do you want my opinion first on the situation or do you want to? Uh, let, me, let me set the record Fair straight enough. with just some of what was said yesterday. And then uh, you can chime in. And we, we yes, we can have a conversation about this. Um, to to be clear, I, I never said, I, I just, I don't like it when, when words are put in my mouth and I never said that Judah Mintz was untouchable. What I took issue with was the take, and I'm not, and I'm not directing this at one individual person. A lot of people said, quote, he should not have been on the floor at the end of the game. And to me. That is ridiculous. Like I, to me, that's ridiculous. You want your starting point guard again. You've got three shot makers on this team, three guys who can get a basket in that spot. You want all three guys on the floor if they haven't fouled out. And Jesse hadn't fouled out. You had Joe in the game. He was being guarded tightly, and, and you had Judah at your disposal. You want those three guys on the court. Never said he wasn't untouchable, or I never said he was untouchable. I said I want him out there with the you know it's a two point game. It was said that I was I kept going back to the final possession. The reason I kept going back to the final possession is that that was the take. He shouldn't have been on the floor at the end. As for he needs to learn from the bench, he played 31 minutes. It's the fewest number of minutes he's played in an ACC game he this year. Tired, I don't... Tired was not an issue, it was, it was, and, and I, I don't think that that can be used as, as a scapegoat in that situation. And go ahead, and I'll, I'll let you right. No, it. it no the, the the notion that he's allowed to play through mistakes. Yes, he's he's allowed to play through mistakes. He's a freshman point guard. I think going into the season, you know that with a freshman point guard, he's going to have to play through mistakes. 
But my point is, is that he wasn't having a great game. It's not like he played 40 minutes and they never took him out. He played 31 minutes, which is a low for him in ACC games. You look at the, the, the only other games that he played less than that were blowouts or the game that he got kicked out of. Um, there, it, there are four games he played this season less than 31 minutes. Three of them were blowouts. One of them was the, the Bryant game, which was an unfortunate situation. So, to me, this it, it, it's easy. You want to have your best players on the court with the game on the line. And again, we, we already saw him make a game-winning shot against Notre Dame in a game that he wasn't phenomenal, right? I mean, he, he, he came up, he made the play down the stretch. I've also heard people say he didn't want to be on the court. He wanted to be on the bench. Well, by trying to make the game-winning shot or the game-tying shot, to me that says he, does, he wants the ball in that spot and he wants to st- stay aggressive and he's, you know, Maybe he was pressing a little bit. Listen, he didn't play well. I'm not suggesting he played well. Okay? I'm suggesting, what I'm saying is, I'm not suggesting it. What I'm saying is, he needed to be on the court. He is your starting point guard. He is arguably your best shot maker, one of your best shot makers on the team. You're down by two points. He needs to be on the court in that spot. And as for the notion that because they didn't score in the last play, it it proves the point he shouldn't have been out there. Again, we, we don't know what Samir would have done. Joe wasn't open, okay? The play was to get it to Joe. He wasn't open. There was no inbounds pass. That was suggested yesterday that, well, they should have given it to Joe off the inbounds pass. There was no inbounds pass. It was off a missed shot. It was a rebound. They got the ball to their point guard. He brought it across half court. They set up their play. Joe came across two screens. He wasn't open. And then Judah, again, you know, Jim Bam said this afterwards, and I think we we would all agree on this. He went a little prematurely, put his head down. He tried to make a play. But to me, that's not a guy who wants to be sitting on the bench. He wanted to win the game. You want a guy like that on your team. So I am tired talking about it. Um, but I just I I just wanted to clear the air. I never said that Judah Mintz was untouchable and needs to play 40 minutes every game. My point was, and I stand by it. He needs to be on the court at the end of the game with the game on the line for this team. And, oh, that was the other thing, was was that, quote, there are three better options than Judah. Who are the three better options to handle the ball in that, in that final possession than Judah? So there are not three better options on this team than Judah. He's your point guard. You give him the ball. You trust that he's going to make the right play. It didn't happen. It's unfortunate. It's easy the next day to say, you know, Bad coaching job. He should have been taken out. I, I don't buy that. You want your best players on the floor. And again, Jim Bayam is not one to save someone's feelings. He wants to win the game. If he thought the best move there was to go to Simon Torrance, he would have done it. He had his best players on the court. It didn't work out. On to the next one. Listen, great players miss game-winning shots all the time. You know, As many game-winners as Michael Jordan had, I'm sure he missed a couple. But my point to you is... Is there a situation and a situation that maybe this comes up again? Is there a situation and Judas having a game like that again where you're thinking twice? And maybe I asked Coach Beheim the same question. You think twice of putting him on the floor. Or is it – I think that's where the untouchable word is coming from. I'll be and, honest with you. When watching that game Monday night, I was off Monday, as you know, yeah. um, and I, I watched it from home and – I was not expecting Tuesday that the narrative was going to be how was Judah Mintz in the game at the end. Like I, I, I knew we were going to talk about Judah didn't play well. Like he didn't, and he made some uncharacteristic mistakes. Five out of the nine turnovers in the basketball he game. Just, he and, didn't and, play well, and four of them were, you know, driving to the hoop and turning the ball over. And the one he turned it over at half court and threw it right to the guy. So continue. I 
No, I, I just I I was not I I did not think that this was going to be what we were going to be talking about for three so days. Steve, I have a question yeah. for you. Red Rob in our Q Sports Talk chat, and if you want to get involved, it's QSportsTalk.com. Hop in the chat. Says that his definition or the reason he thought you were saying untouchable is because by saying Judah has to be in at the end of the game, no matter the situation, yes. that is what it, some no people the, are defining hey, I, as no untouchable. No matter the situation, the situation was they were down by two. I'm, I understand there's a place to to have a guy so take, a, that take the a deep breath. Comes up again. Are, are you thinking twice? No. Okay. I, that, no. I, I guess I'm, I'm confused by what you're saying, Jordan. It, it, so in our chat, somebody said, by saying that he needs to be he in needs at the end to of the be game, on the floor. no matter what, then you're saying he's untouchable. What would your response to that be? Right. So the, the no matter what or the in, in whatever situation. The situation was they're down by two and they need a bucket. Yes, he, he needs to be in the game. If, if the game is over one way or the other, at the end of the game, you want him on the court. I get that during the game, all right, take a deep breath. Yeah. Let's let you know. All right, you're struggling here a little bit. Let's let's watch, and and they did that again. He played 31 minutes, but he needs to be on the court at the end of the game. And and in terms of and this is not a knock against Samir Torrance. I feel like a broken record. We've talked about this for three days now. This is not a knock against Samir Torrance, but this isn't like you're deciding between me and you. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it's it, it, I'm trying to think of a good analogy with. Um, you know, like is it is KD it, and Kyrie at yeah, the end of a game? Fine. Yeah, okay. yeah, whatever. Okay, but it's not like KD would be on the bench either. But you know, it's not like Dion Waiters is sitting on the bench. You know, Bro, and I you, said me and you, I'd be on the bench, you'd be on the floor. No, right? you know what I'm saying though. <laughs> it's not it, yeah. you know, well, you know, Dion's over there, but we're we're gonna you know he's not a starter, so we're gonna see. Simir is a good player, but we know Judah is a shot maker, and they needed somebody to make a play in that spot, and. I don't buy the whole thing that he didn't want to be out there. He wanted to be on the bench. Or he wanted the ball. The ball was in his hands. He tried to make a play. It didn't work out. So, anyway, um, I'm not saying he's untouchable. I'm not saying he needs to play 40 minutes. He can never come out. Like, no matter what he does, he deserves to be out there. Everybody needs to be sat down at a, at a, at a certain time. With the game on the line and down by two is not the time for me to have with my... With the game on the line, I want my three best players yes, in the basketball game. That, my three that's, best players, that's what no I matter took issue if he with. has five, time, five turnovers in the basketball game or, or one turnover in the basketball game, I want him on the floor. And he made a, a, a bonehead drive in crunch time, and it led to a loss. We, we saw it you know, in a loss earlier this year. You know, him turning the basketball over and Syracuse losing the basketball game against Pitt. Uh, you know, it's happened a couple of times, and that's why I bring up the situation. If this continues to be a trend, do you, do you think twice? And to me, no, I don't think twice because he's still one of the three best players on your basketball team, and I think he's going to win you more games in that situation than he is going to lose basketball games in that situation. Yes. I'm tired of talking. Is that better? About it. We I, it, it, I, it, I'm tired of talking about it. I just I felt like I needed to at least. That's what I I just set to give the context straight. of you know the situation, so to say. So yeah, and if it's a close game on Saturday, if it's a close game on Tuesday, I I would expect that he's going to be better. He played awful. He did. Joe had that awful three game stretch. It it doesn't mean that that's who they are. And we see time and time again when this team is losing basketball games, they need all three of those guys to play well. You know, if yeah. two out of the three don't play well, you know, they're losing basketball games. And, you know, they have seven losses this year. 
look back on a couple of them. A couple of them are probably, you know, on the hands of Joe. A couple of them are on the hands of Judah, and a couple of them are on the hands of Jesse. And that's not saying, you know, you can pin out one guy and you know losses, what though? but that, that that's the truth. Those guys have to score 15, 16 points a game for SU to win basketball games. But, but there's a reason that, you know, if you had to blame someone, quote unquote, that yeah. it's those three guys because they're your best players, Correct. and so your best players have the ball. And a role player isn't going to necessarily like—is yeah. Justin Taylor going to cost them the game? Like he's a nice player, but Justin Taylor's not going to cost you the game. Generally speaking, the guys who have the ball in their hands with the game on the line, you're going to point to them and say, "Oh, he missed that shot, or he made that turnover." That—that's generally how it works. Um, so anyway, it's. Uh, we can all, you know, like we can all move on from this, and and no hard feelings, and we can agree to disagree. It's just I, I just don't like when words are put in my mouth. That's all. Um, and so I just wanted to set the record straight. So we we shall move on from this. I I, I will say this, and and you know nobody wants to hear this, and I, I get that. Um, this team's playing better basketball right now, and I get that nobody wants to hear that because they're coming off a loss and because of what their resume looks like right now. Um, but. There is a lot of basketball left to be played, and there, there is there are some encouraging signs that this team's figuring it out. What really you know it stinks in this situation is a, a win against Miami on Monday. SU's a game out of first place in the ACC if they pick up that win. You know, Clemson went to Wake Forest and lost their first ACC loss. You know, you look top to bottom of this league, and, and I watched. Back the NC State game the other night against Georgia Tech, like Georgia Tech had them in the first half and then decided to not be able to put the basketball hoop in the second half. Like this league top to bottom it is, you know, a coin flip. You know, do I predict Clemson to be there at the end of the year? I don't personally think they're going to be there at the end of the year, but I have no idea night in and night out who's going to win a basketball game. More times than not, it's the team that's at home. They're winning yeah, about a right. clip of. You know, about 75% in ACC play. Well, it, yeah, I mean, Clemson lost to Wake the other night. I wasn't surprised even a little bit. Wake was at Wake's home. Good. Wake, yep. Wake was favored yeah. by four. And um, yeah, th- this conference is wide open. There's no doubt about it. And you're right. I mean, that, that I loss on Monday. That's the landscape of college yeah. basketball this year. And that was another question. No I dominant teams. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I watch the Big 12 a lot. Like, <laughs> that league is just, you know, cutthroat. Yeah. No matter who's playing. That Kansas-Kansas State game was, was, was fantastic the other night. I mean, West Virginia last night against TCU was another great game. Yeah. It, and I was, as I was saying, I mean, that loss Monday hurts for a number of reasons. Uh, certainly Syracuse needed that you know signature win on the way. Another way it hurts is what you alluded to is that you win that game and you're, you're sitting right near the top of the standings in a wide-open conference almost midway through your, your conference slate. Um, so they got some work to do. They got a lot of work to do. We know that. Uh, but uh, I, I do think they're playing better basketball. Um, and I, I, I'm starting to see some encouraging signs with this team. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. 315-437-7644. Brendan and Manley is kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Brendan. Steve, Mario, how are you guys doing? Good, Brendan. We're all right. How are you? Good. I I'm good. Be he might not be, Brendan, but I'm always No, <laughs> no. I, Steve doesn't need me to have his back, and I don't think that's what uh, – we're intending to do. That's what sports radio is all about. But I got to be honest, I'm with you hundred percent, Steve. I think the take of having Symeer over Judah and really any situation except for an injury is one of the more moronic statements I've heard in my 30 plus years of watching Syracuse basketball. And for, and I, I think there was a conversation the other day and I don't know for clarification. I think Paulie might've uh, made a statement. He's obviously not there to say it. And 
it was like an afterthought that Jude is not as good as Michael Carter Williams, as Johnny Flynn, and as um, the other. Who was the other good point guard? The name escapes me right now. The uh, uh, Tyler Ennis. Excuse me. If you look at all of their statistics as freshman point guards, Judah is just as good or better, far better than MCW was as a freshman, and he's right there with Johnny Flynn and Tyler Ennis. And forever, I've heard people say, "Well, you know, he's not as good as them." Well, in what category? He's very up. He's up there in assists. He's up there in points. Um, so yeah, I'm with you, Steve. I don't think there's a situation. I mean, I like Samir. He's a good player to have on your team. He has a nice skill set, but to pull a freshman point guard that's averaging almost 15 points a game that I've heard analysts potentially be a first-round NBA pick is is a head-scratcher to begin with. And I want to leave you guys with one thing. Um, if you wouldn't mind, if you have the time to ask Coach Beheim when he's on, I was watching some NBA hoops last night, and I'm watching some of these European guys, and they're just like, yo, he's just off the charts in every category. There's nothing you can do to stop this guy. I think he's had like 40 triple-doubles or something insane like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's off the charts. My question to Coach Beheim is: To what extent? I know we've had guys like Dolge and Ennis and uh, O'Shea Brissett. How much are they involved with international recruiting? Is it a, is it a thing they do on a regular basis, or does it really have to be? I'm, I'm more talking like Europe than Canada, but like, is the does Syracuse actually have an international recruiting system in place? And if so, I'm curious what it is because, man those guys have a skill set that would look very, very nice wearing orange on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate checking in, Brendan. Thank you for the call. And uh, The problem if- is at, at the international level, those guys are playing ball at 16 years old, right? you know, in, in the top leagues in Europe. And then by the time they turn 19 uh, are making that jump to the NBA and, and you bring up a great point. I mean, the, the kid over in what is it France right now that, you know, is bona fide, going to be an NBA star when you look at the highlights uh, of him so you know that that's the only thing like how much time do you spend internationally when these kids are, are playing at 16 and looking to turn pro looking to go to the NBA at, at 19 they're not looking to come to college uh we can uh we could certainly try yeah. and ask coach yeah. Bayham if we have time uh, and if we interview. don't lucky for you Brendan lucky for everyone out there tonight 8 30 p.m qsportstalk.com right here Jim Bayheim live answering your questions hop in the chat Get involved. Rare opportunity to ask Coach questions directly to him and see his response. QSportsTalk.com, 8.30 tonight. There you go. Um, all right, 315-437-7644. Let's take a time out here. Uh, we've got uh, Dan from the Wildcat Sports Pub coming up at 12.30. Full lines remain open for the next segment. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> Welcome back, Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco, today's artist of the day. Malcolm McCormick, better known as Mac Miller. Today would have been his 31st birthday. We start you off with Nikes on my feet. From the kids' mixtape, his breakout mixtape released on Datpiff sits at over 82 million views on YouTube. Really the start of Mac Miller's rise to fame as we honor him today on the show. Where's he from? Oh, you know Mario. Pittsburgh, baby. Did you know that? My go-to Pandora State. Mac Miller. Really? I, I, I did not know that. Huge Steelers fan. Was a huge Steelers fan. Rest in peace. Learn, learn something about you today. I had no idea. Um, when I would get out and actually run, that would be the main. 
I almost sent the email to you, Mario, to check the bumps because I know we've talked about Mac a little bit before. Yeah. Just to uh, to wrap up uh, Brandon's call there, you know, he he brought up uh, and he's right. Uh, Paulie brought up uh, Flynn and Ennis. Uh, just statistically speaking, uh, Judah this year averaging 15 points, four and a half assists per game. His assist to turnover ratio is, is just about two to one. Uh, Johnny Flynn, as a freshman, averaged 15.7 points per game, so roughly the same scoring, 5.3 assists, uh, 2.7 turnover. So again, roughly two to one, had a, a smidge more uh, assists. Uh, and then Tyler Ennis, I mean, you know, Tyler Ennis is. Strength, one of his strengths was taking care of the basketball. His assist to turnover ratio was was very good, essentially three to one. Uh, he averaged five and a half assists per game, along with about thirteen points. So Judah scoring a little bit more. Tyler had more assists and, and took care of the basketball. Um, when I look at anyway. games, I, I think more of Judah and Johnny than I do Tyler and Judah. That's just me, right. But, yes, you know. yeah, and I think a lot of people have drawn that comparison. And that, you know, before we had really seen Judah play in a Syracuse uniform, that was the comparison yeah. that. Um, that kept coming up was he's like Johnny Flynn, uh, you know, the, the way that he attacks and um, can get to the basket. And, um, you know, he's he's halfway through his freshman year, and by and large he's been really good. So I, I just wanted to throw out those stats since Brendan brought it up. I, I was curious myself what the stat comparison was, and uh, and that's what it is. So we've got a, a minute or two here before we, we went long in that first segment. We've got Dan from Wildcat Sports Pub. Uh, coming up, anything stand out to you either about this team right now, Mario, or about this particular matchup on Saturday against Georgia Tech? It's a Georgia Tech team that has one win in ACC play. It was over Mar- uh, over Miami, rather. Yeah. It was at home. Uh, other than that, they have not, you know, won another conference game. Um, so again, it's one of these games that Syracuse should win. Doesn't help their resume if they do, but man, it would be a, you know a really really tough loss if they were to give it away. What stands out to me is the you know still kind of musical chairs with the lineup, but the musical chairs is the fact that the freshmen are starting to play well in other spots besides Judah Mintz. Uh, you know we we've seen Malik Brown step in and, and have good games. We've seen Justin Taylor come off the bench. There is some camaraderie starting to build uh, as far as that's concerned with, with being able to get productive minutes from these guys off the bench. Obviously, there's still question marks with, you know, what are you going to get out of Benny? Benny played great against Miami, not very well against Notre Dame. Um, that's what's standing out of these guys are, are kind of finding their roles right now on this basketball team. And, and it's led to them playing well uh, over, you know, the, this stretch of games. Uh, before that was nine out of eleven wins uh, before Monday night. So um, when you look at Georgia Tech on the other side, uh, they have one guy Steve that scores in double figures. Uh, Miles Kelly is averaging thirteen point six points a game. You mentioned that they beat Miami. They're an okay team at home. They're seven and four at home, uh, but better at home than on the road, though. We should point out they're not a good basketball yeah. team. Like, uh, and I watched a lot of the game just cutting video for Orange Nation of the Georgia Tech NC State game what one thing they did do in that game is they pounded the glass uh offensive rebounds and second chance points uh, against NC State um so that caused problems for Syracuse in the second half against Miami 15 second chance points in the second half by the Hurricanes uh 14 offensive rebounds in the second half so Syracuse it's been a common theme all year has to rebound the basketball and you know, Coach Griff told you firsthand, you know, we're not going to win games if we can't rebound. All right. Uh, let's hit a break here. I see uh, Dan outside our studio, so we'll bring in uh, Dan from the Wildcat Sports Pub next. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. 
ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. It is uh, 1 o'clock on a Thursday, and that means it's time to be joined by the Hall of Famer Jim Behan, brought to you every week by Oswego County Mutual. No Pauly today. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco with you as we welcome in the coach now. And, uh, you know, tough one to swallow, Coach, on Monday. You guys played awfully well, and it just just couldn't quite close the deal at the end of the game. Uh, I, I guess let's start with your overall assessment of the of the Miami game. We didn't play any defense in the second half. That was the game. Nothing more. The stretch, any stretch game, uh, anything can happen at the end of the game. You know, simple. We're behind against Notre Dame, and Judah scored, I think, the last seven points or seven of the last points of the game to win the game after having a really bad game. He had a really bad game, probably not great, not terrible, not a good game, but at Miami, but He's going to be in the game at the end of the game. He tried to make a play and didn't make it. But uh, there's no way on earth that he wouldn't be in the game at that stage. He won the Notre Dame game, the first Notre Dame game, and two or three other games that we needed to have a play to win. He made the plays. Uh, he's our best player. There's no way he wouldn't be in the game. And uh, But our, the problem was our defense, they killed us on the boards. They scored 48 points in the second half. And uh, it was simple as that. It's not like we made a ton of mistakes. We made normal, less than a normal amount of turnovers. Um, we made some really good plays. Um, but at the end of the day, well, we just didn't stop them. Coach, coming into the year, Judah, when you when I interviewed him, he said, you know, I came here to play for Coach Beheim and, and to learn from Coach Beheim. What's the lesson and the teaching moment that you give him after a game like that? He had a bad game. <laughs> it happens to everybody. I don't know why people are talking about this. He's had a great year. He's playing great. He's made great plays at the end of games consistently and he made a bad play at the end of this game that's that's the bottom line don't do it again that's i guess that's yeah. the <laughs> fair enough <laughs> that's good coaching yes this, uh, this, yeah. this isn't rocket science here <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I it, 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 uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me as well. But here we are, you know, three days later, and 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 we are still. T- I, I don't quite understand it either, Coach. But uh, I don't know who's talking about it. Nobody that knows anything about basketball is talking about this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't talk to those people. I don't listen to those people. So unfortunately, you have to. It's your job. Yeah, right. I, I, on the on the flip side of that, and 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 going off off that and looking at the performance of Joe in that basketball game and how he's been able to, you know, and you've touched on develop a different style of game. You know, he was backing down guys. How do you kind of curtail the green light with Joe sometimes and, and, you know, find a happy medium, so to say? In terms of what with Joe? With, you know, how he's developed his game more than just, you know, the outside shooter and coming off screens. How do you curtail, you know, having him have the green light and, you know, finding his game, so to say. I'm not even sure what that is. I'm not sure what your question is here. I don't know what you mean. 
when when you look at Joe and, and how he's yeah. played uh, over this this last couple of stretches of games, how have you seen his game? You know, develop more, so to say, and, and you know, how do you lean back? You know, the green light all the time with him. I, I just I really don't even understand what you're talking about. He's a, uh, our best shooter. He's uh, a guy that can score. He's proven he can score. He has. It's not a red light or green light. He gets if he has a shot, he takes it. But he's done that all year. He's pulled up on people. He's backed people in. He got a good mismatch in the first half and got to the the the, the back down. He, that's not usually part of his game. It's really the first time we've seen that from him. And he took advantage of a, a matchup situation, and that's smart basketball. But. He's the guy that we look to to score. I'm not sure what you mean. I've never been sure of what people say when they say green light. What what does that mean? If any of our players, Chris, Justin, Benny's now shooting very well, has a shot, they should take it. Joe Girard has a shot. He should take it. Is that what you mean by a green light? Yeah, yes. And, yeah. and at times, uh, you know, in the basketball game. Well, who do you think has a red light? It's <laughs> a good, good point. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know I, I, this is just nonsense, Mario, that people talk yeah. about that I don't know what it means. Do you, do you feel, I, I guess, in, in the context of a, of a game that, that sometimes he, he's taking bad shots? And, no, and on very the flip seldom. Side. Yeah. Very but, seldom. Yes. That's that's where I was getting at red light, green light. Very seldom. Worded badly by me. I apologize. Um, you know, Coach. And also, yeah, have you ahead. ever watched Steph Curry play? <laughs> yeah, you could say he takes bad shots too, I guess, but uh, when yeah. he can pull up from 35 and hit it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, so, and so can Joe Girard. Yeah. Maybe uh, Munir's got a red light from three-point range. My, uh, <laughs> that, that, that would be, yeah. He has a red light. He has a green light in, around the basket. Right, right exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know nobody's happy with the, with the loss. I was talking with Jerry earlier today, and, and, you know, there are no moral victories, and I get that. But are, are you encouraged by the way this team is playing? Because it, it, it seems like this team is playing much better basketball now than, than at the very beginning of the season. I don't know if we are or not. I, I see some things, but I'm not sure. We didn't play well against Notre Dame. We just came back at the end. Um, so that was this, the next most recent game. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think we're going to be consistent with this many young players. Um, I try. Hope we can get there, but I don't see it. Um, it's it's been a struggle to get to some consistency, and uh, you know I think every team gets a little better. I mean you should get a little better as the season goes along, but uh, I don't know. We're just not playing at a high enough level. Uh, I think more defensively than offensively, um, we're we're not getting enough stops, and uh, that's what concerns me. Moving forward, uh, Miami got in foul trouble in the first half. Um, Wong had a really just a terrible night, which he doesn't usually have. So we took advantage of that, but at the end of the day, we couldn't. We 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 just couldn't get a stop. Uh, they got too many offensive. We got 
we got seven or eight really good defensive stops, and they got the offensive rebound seven or eight times and scored. And that's, you know, it's just not going to win games for you. You're not giving up 48 points on the road and winning too many games in, in the second half. So we've got to get better. We're trying this group. They're doing everything they can. They're they're working. They're trying to get better, um, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see what happens. Since being held to a season low four points against Virginia, Jesse's averaging seventeen, twelve rebounds, and he has eleven assists. How is his game taking that next step, or is it the teams that you've played that are allowing him to do that? Well, if they double him, he's making the pass to get the assist, and that's great. And we've seen that. He's been doubled down there. When he scores, they're going to double him. But he's been good all year. Um, his rebounding has been good all year. His defense slipped a little bit um, in, the, in, in, a, in a couple of the last games. Um, but he's been, been really, really good all year. I think Benny's improving. I think his shot has really got there where he's starting to make shots. Um, but we, you know, as a team, for us to win down the stretch, we're going to have to play better defense. I think we can score, but we're going to have to play better defense to win. All right, and, and lastly, uh, we should touch on Georgia Tech. Uh, Saturday, noon tip down in Atlanta. Uh, what stands out to you about the Yellow Jackets? Well, they just beat Miami at home, yeah. so right. well, I guess they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Uh, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, good luck this weekend. We'll do it again next week. Yep. All right, uh, Jim Beha brought to you every week by Oswego County Mutual. And again, you can. Uh, we did not get to the uh, international recruiting question, but you can ask him tonight, uh, seven to eight thirty on TK ninety nine over at Carabas, and then from eight thirty to nine exclusively on QSportsTalk.com with the Q and A. And with that, we'll uh, take a timeout. Back after this on ESPN Radio.